Super Talk Mississippi media production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. And indeed, one of my very favorite weekends of the year. It's Independence Day. I think about parades and barbecues and how hard it must have been for our forefathers, not to mention our foremothers staying at home waiting for our forefathers to come back, to put all of this together. My goodness, we're a lucky bunch, aren't we, that we're here today. Welcome in. Let's talk about your plants. Let's talk about my plants. Let's talk about the neighbor's plants. They're probably on vacation. We might want to get give them a little bit of uh, shade, as it were. We can also talk about what you want to be doing and what you'd like to think about maybe doing in the next few weeks. That's right. It's midsummer. It's time to be thinking about a lot of vegetables and some annual flowers as well. I have... Uh, Reached into the vault and deep into the vault. Wow. Summer 1999 edition of Loose Dirt. Do you remember that newsletter? Wow, it was good. <laughs> I can say that because I wrote it. <laughs> well, with Lynn Ashford. Hey, Lynn, hope you're out there. Good morning, everybody. Now, here's the thing. We were lucky enough to know Jim Wilson. Um, the late Jim Wilson, fantastic garden writer. I've talked about him here more, many times because his knowledge and wisdom and Mississippi roots have all infused themselves into me and so many of us. I also mentioned last week that I had seen tomatoes growing in a 30-gallon ga- uh, trash can and how huge it was in Pascagoula. This is the recipe that was used there. And if we get to that this morning, if you're interested in growing incredibly colossal tomatoes, we can talk about it. It's a lot of work. It's a big deal to set up. But I'm telling you, it's it's a tower like none other. So developed, tested, and written by Jim Wilson, the garbage can method of growing tomatoes is here for you. Just ask. And I'm happy to say that uh, several people did ask about it. I sent sent the recipe out for putting this thing together. Oh, my goodness. This is also the time of year that we are appreciating, enjoying, and sometimes seeing on sale um, things like crepe myrtles and vitex. Both those trees are the summer bloomers that get more attention than anything else. I do believe that vitex or chase tree is popular, at least in part, because there's not a blue crepe myrtle. So if there was a blue crepe myrtle, we might not care so much about vitex. But the flowers and the numbers of colors within that group of trees is just magnificent, really wonderful stuff. That's happening right now. I have some crazy research to bring to you from the natural world as well as from, uh, well, let's just talk about what this whole weekend comes down to at most people's houses, the food. Yep, that's right. You know how you like a uh, you might you might appreciate a buffet or at least a picnic table at uh, an event where you can have maybe two helpings of banana pudding and only one of the beans you know or or vice versa a lot of people prefer not to have too many sweets on a hot day well 
Turns out that wild bees need that same sort of diversity in their agricultural landscapes if they're going to be able to do their pollination work the best as possible. So I found that interesting research from the University of Göttingen's letting us know about... <laughs> These people go out and watch bees, okay? That's just what they do. It's not. It's a little more interesting, I think, than watching paint dry, but still, it does mean that mass flowering crops are, are wonderful. It, in turn, leads the bees to the area, but they, in turn, need other plants in the same area. The, the different arable crops are ne- not necessarily even visited by the same flights of bees. So they're working on figuring all this out, how the diversity leads to more bees coming to the area, which, of course, in turn leads to better pollination. (laughs) 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. If you happen to be cruising around, um, oh, let's just say the state of Mississippi or the nearby environs, you might be checking out on your radio and you've run into, hello, this is a woman on Saturday morning. She's live. That's right. You're driving through. Maybe you're going north. Maybe you're going south. Maybe you're going east or west. You know, we we have a lot of people that travel throughout our state. I have a friend going back to our hometown this weekend for the first time, he says, in a couple of years. Um, There's a a lot of folks on the road, and uh, good morning. Welcome in. You might want to talk about gardening, or you might just, as people have told me before, want to listen to my voice. And it does sometimes provide a soothing antidote to other things you might hear. And other times, of course, it's just silly, and we, we have a real good time talking about our bugs and our plants and our things that we like to grow around here. My name's Nellie Neal. I am really, really happy to be here today to be able to say Hail State. I don't think I've ever said that before. <laughs> but there, you know, we, we're very proud. We're very proud. Very happy. Good morning, Daniel. I know you're happy, too. Morning, Miss Nellie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just glad that Mississippi State are World Series champs. Isn't it wonderful? It's the, it's a real uh, it's it's an a laud that they have to work so hard for, and they did. My goodness, to beat all those people twice, do all that stuff. Good grief! Now, of course, as all of you know, I'm a very proud graduate of LSU, but I'm also a girl of the SEC. All right, and if you're smart. You root for the SEC teams as well. But because I'm a a Mississippi woman, I wasn't going to really pull for Vanderbilt. Sorry. (laughs) So anyway, all the cowbells. We do do need more cowbells. (laughs) That's great. We always appreciate having more of them. Trey in Grenada has popped in on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Woo-wee. That pickup truck is full of corn. That looks so good. All that tomatoes. Oh, my goodness. That is just delightful. Fun, fun, fun. Beautiful, beautiful project going on up there, canning with the tomatoes and a truck full of corn. Woo, that's wonderful. Thanks, Trey. I love seeing that. Let's see. I will get up. I'll be able to pull this picture up closer, Kathy, um, at the break, and I'll see if I can figure out what tree you're looking at there. Um, I'm I'm one of those people that's both nearsighted and farsighted. So sometimes me and the computer screen have to get to be very close to one another for me to see anything. If you are one of those people that goes to the garden center in the summer and says, well, 
gee, I would love to have this tree because I can see that it's in bloom now. I think about um, an Althea or a, a Vitex or any of the summer bloomers, including the crepe myrtles. And they got a flower or two on them. And you think, well, but I can't really. Is it too hot? Should I plant it now? The answer is buy it now. Keep the flowers deadheaded so that the tree can continue to put on new leaves and maybe even some more flowers for you and plan to plant it in the fall. Just keep it in a space that's a little bit sheltered and give yourself the opportunity to maybe uh, you know, water it in a dry week. When will we have one of those? I don't know. On the phone, good morning. Anna's from Oxford. Hey, what's going on, Miss Anna? Well, you were talking about bees. Yes. And um, my bee balm is absolutely magnificent, ah, and the bees love it. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. I love it, and, too. I think it's a wonderful flower. Yeah, and, and you talked about the Althea, or what is that, Rose of Sharon? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but um, if you want to get a lot of flowers, you need to um, cut that back yes, in, that's like, true. January. That's very true. People and don't think mine, about that. I, mm-hmm. it, it, and it roots real easy. So all those pieces you cut back, just stick in some dirt, and you're going to have a whole bunch of rows of Sharon's. And then you're ready for the plant swaps in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the same thing with Vitex. Yes. I mean, I've got a couple of, um, well, actually about three or four Vitex, um, just from taking some, you know, twigs mm-hmm. and getting them started. Mm-hmm. The Vitex in my front garden um, had to be pruned this winter because I didn't prune it last year. And then all the really, really cold weather came. I was very nervous for a few weeks. <laughs> but it's beautiful and in bloom now. They are very tough trees. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the bloom doesn't last that long. No, but there's lots of them. And they hum. You know, they have, they're a natural orchestra because the bees love them so much. It's just a delightful plant. Really uh, there's another one which I like to do. You know, some lantanas will actually survive the winter. Yes, oh And yes. I've got one that does, mm-hmm. and uh, and it grows too big, so I keep cutting it back. But when I cut it back, I keep sticking those in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a lot of lantanas we're passing <laughs> around. <laughs> it's a good way to go. Many of them are hardy, but just like so many of our perennials, Cold, wet soil is harder on them than well-drained cold soil. In other yeah. words, you know, if, they, if their feet, their, their roots just stop working and they can't make a return. But as long as the soil drains well enough in the wintertime, they will be hardy. Most of the lantanas, not, there's a few tropical ones that are kind of iffy. And, of course, if you grow it in a hanging basket, that's, that's different. But in the ground, they, they tend to be hardy at least, I'm going to say, Close to Memphis, but it does have to be well-drained soil. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know the pro- the problem this year was the fact that we had that long cold spell. Oh yes. Yeah, and I think it did do um, a, a lot of plants in, but um, then we had all this rain, mm-hmm. and the rain seems to have made everything just. Boom. I mean, it just like blossoming everywhere. The hydrangeas particularly and things like that have just gone crazy. I, I saw some Iteas that were the Virginia Sweet Spire that had more flowers than I'd ever seen on them. There were a lot of things. You you worry because then you have to come back in the summer and make sure that they haven't lost half of their side because <laughs> they'll have a split at the bottom. An azalea will do this often. Cold weather, wet weather reacts badly and the bark will split, but it doesn't here as a problem until after flowering and into the summer and then just one side of the shrub 
goes brown and you don't know why but when you get at the the base of it it turns out there's a crack there but it did try to bloom perhaps that last hurrah you know that we think about is what they're they actually do and sometimes it's because they want to set seed Um, other times it's just because they're they're trying to use up whatever is left in that part of the plant pass on to the next generation hopefully at least at least give us a little joy before they go (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks Uh, anna Good to hear from you today. Oh, my goodness. What a great thing. You know, there, there's so many trees that we like. There's so much stuff. Um, let's see now. Oh, Mike, that's lovely. Beautiful, beautiful sunflower. Thank you. He's uh, He's got a yellow bird that's nailing them. I presume that means plucking on them. Should I cover them? Yes, if you want to cover them um, for them to make seed, that would be a good idea. But if it's a paper bag, that, you know, or a net or something, the bird may decide to take that, too. I don't know. Pretty four o'clocks. Lovely, lovely. Really very nice today. Thank you for those pictures. I love seeing that on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. All of the, the really pretty... Um, Pretty, pretty flowers. And everybody wishing for um, a good Independence Day, a very safe travels, because everybody does get out and do something. I'm I'm uh, probably not going very far, but I'll try to get out of the house. <laughs> this the, the pandemic was, for a person who has worked from their home most of the time for many years, the pandemic was not as difficult as for those of you who were accustomed to getting up every morning of every year and going out somewhere and doing something at work. So there's there are different reactions to things. I'm one of those people that uh, still thinks, well, do I really have to go do whatever it is? <laughs> now, I would like to go see some fireworks. I'll say that. But when I think about Independence Day, I do think about backyard barbecues, the smell of charcoal and um, sparklers. Because that was the only thing they'd let us have when I was a child. <laughs> we could write our names in sparklers. Yeah, that was the type of fireworks my parents gave me when I was a kid mm-hmm. that was safe to use. Yeah. We're not going to talk about bottle rockets. <clears throat> Y'all, please don't hurt yourselves. I found it very educational that at least one of the local television stations, you know, they always go and do a story at the at the fireworks stand and then tell you where it's illegal to do this and all the people are buying the fireworks and it's a it's one of those weird things that happens every year and the only thing i noted in this particular story that was an addition was that they were actually advising people to keep a fire extinguisher handy which is probably a good idea because you know we love ourselves but people are dumb We, we do some things that are really dumb and it's not even necessarily the hold my beer stuff it's just that that we don't think it's going to hurt us People, people, people. Come on now. See, we talked last week about the the psychological stress causing your hair to turn gray, and then it needs to come back if you if, if things are better later on, things things that get unstressed. You don't want the Independence Day celebrations to cause the, all of that to you. Now, the other thing, of course, is your pets. Um, I will have at least one cat and one dog practically in my lap when it all starts, and, and my neighborhood is kind of famous for more fireworks than one would necessarily want to have close by. And then there's municipal fireworks that you can hear at my house, too. So it's going to be interesting. going to be interesting. But do be careful, please. 
Oh, I tell you what else is happening right now because we've had so much humidity, we have had plenty of rain, and we're looking at more rain next week in most of the South. Okay, not not everywhere, not every day, but we're looking at more rain than this next couple of days. We will see a, a stronger forecast going into next week. For gardeners, that means that now's the time to fertilize while it's not raining at your house. Or if it's raining today, wait until it finishes and then go around and see what needs to be fed a little bit. We've had a lot of one of one of the keys, of course, to continuous thrifty growth is that a plant has access to the nutrients that it needs in order to keep growing. And if you're looking at, for example, your sunflowers, the lower leaves are turning yellow or um, on anything, really, but mostly annuals will do this particularly quickly. There's no spots. There's no damage. There's nothing being eaten. The leaves are just yellow. That tells you that those lower leaves are being sacrificed to the top part of the plant by giving up their nitrogen. So it's time for you to do a little fertilizing so you don't lose any more of the lower leaves on that particular plant. Um, Let's see now. The the how do we take cuttings of blueberry bushes? Ken wants to propagate blueberry bushes. There's a couple of things to couple of ways to do that. I will tell you though that they mostly need to be done in a mist setting. It's so what you're going to want to do when you prune the blueberries. That's another thing we need to be doing now. By the way, if you finish picking, you're going to want to take those cuttings and put them into individual pots or a flat that you can build a tent over. Put it in the shade because you've got to keep mist coming to them and you've also got to keep them a little bit on the cool side compared to what the rest of summer looks like. All right? That's, that's about the beginning of it. It's not as easy as you would hope it would be. But the good news is when you do root blueberries, well, you have three new plants like I do. All right, now, I gave you the forecast. We don't know when, but, yeah, at some point it's going to rain. This is Weekend Gardening. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it calls to bring you into this world and when you leave it and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. 
I'm Lauren McGraw with Gotta Go. Have you got bathroom restoration or construction going on? Well, we've got you covered with deluxe luxury restrooms with air conditioning, LED lights, radio, Bluetooth, and all the amenities for your needs. When you've got to go, you've got to go. Gotta Go, 601-879-3969. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. Halito, this summer, July 14th through the 17th, the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians invite you to the 71st edition of the Choctaw Indian Fair. Come and experience Choctaw foods, traditional music, dances, and visit the Arts and Crafts Pavilion for exquisite art, Native American jewelry, Choctaw basketry, and so much more. Don't miss popular midway rides, nightly concerts under the stars, and the granddaddy of all field sports, Choctaw Stickball. The Choctaw Indian Fair is back. For more information, visit us online at ChoctawIndianFair.com and like us on Facebook. Hope to see you there. Hachapisalachke. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. You can support Mississippi's many talented farmers, artisans, and craftsmen by purchasing products with a genuine Mississippi logo. And that's the proof it's the real deal. To find products grown, raised, crafted, and made in our great state, just visit GenuineMS.com or visit the Genuine Mississippi store at the Mississippi Farmers Market every Monday through Friday, 11 to 1, and Saturdays, 8 to 1. I'm Andy Gibson, and I am Genuine Mississippi. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers, along with Surrender Fire Ant Killer. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage and Rocket Companies. Last year, we saw historically low mortgage interest rates. What you may not know is that interest rates are already starting to increase, and it's likely that trend is only going to continue. Our team of experts is standing by to help you save before rates go up. Don't look back and wish that you had taken action. Call 833-8-ROCKET or visit rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the J. Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit Autism autismspeaks.org slash employment. Furnished by the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Well, I got a little garden in my backyard, a little hoeing, a little mowing, but the work ain't hard. It's the cutest little place that you ever did see. I've been working in the garden till I turn green. Flies, birds, and bees, and heck, I got a compost pile that's up to my neck. I plant strawberries, corn, okra, and beans. I've been working in the garden till I turn green. My thanks to Eddie Rhodes, Walter Reeves, and all the Georgia gardeners for that little tune. It's uh, it's it's famous in my world, and probably not anywhere else. But <laughs> we we all really like that one. 
Um, and there's another one that I do not have a recording of that implies that one should be buried in the compost pile. It's another good song from another gardener type type, type of person. Um, I'm looking for a leaf on Kathy's tree, talking about blueberry rooting. Um, if you have branches that, by the way, for picking which ones to take the cuttings from, if you have branches that are brand new, really tender, that's not going to root as well. But it needs if it's semi-hard, if it can bend but doesn't snap, it's going to be the most likely to root. That's for sure. Um, and that that's always a that's it's almost always true. There's some things that won't root even then. And what we're looking at, of course, is the um, trying to put in, put in some opportunities to add other things to that. But anyway. Another thing going on with those flowering trees, though, at this point in the summertime is that you stand underneath them and you think, it's not really raining. What is that that I feel? What is that mist? Well, unfortunately, that mist tells you that there's some kind of insect way higher up over your head, probably. A uh, aphid, that might be white flies, might be mealybugs, any of the piercing and sucking insects that can get a really good grip on brand new growth on trees. And by this time of the year, they're progeny their reproductive parts you know their other their other generations are coming along they're eating and what they cannot digest they excrete what they excrete is a sugary substance that falls on the leaves below and also on your head if you happen to be standing there it also falls on the lawn furniture and your car and pretty soon you notice black things growing in that that's because it's sooty mold sooty mold is with us all the time it proliferates in that honeydew that as we call this, this particular stuff uh, and and it it will cause problems for lack of photosynthesis for example if the flowers underneath your tree are coated up in sooty mold they can't photosynthesize they won't grow if you have furniture you can wash it off but it's a mess better to control the insects so if you've got that going on we can talk about it today um well, John is planting purple hull peas today. That's a good place to start. It is it is summer, and I agree with the tune that we were just listening to. You can certainly plant a lot of things even now. I wouldn't be planting strawberries right this minute, but um, we can certainly be planting squash, and we can be planting some more beans and peas particularly. A lot of things to get into the ground now. Well, 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 well. Do you have migraine headaches? Hmm. If you are a subscriber to All Things Garden Mama Weekly, you are probably waiting to hear this because there are a few migraine sufferers in that group. The National Institute on Aging, which is part of the National Institutes of Health, has done a study of almost 200 adults who have frequent migraines. Um, what they did, they had previously worked on chronic pain and now they, they're specifically going into specialized areas such as migraine type pain they're, they're studying lineolic acids polyunsaturated um, fatty acid that we usually get from corn or soybeans and also though um, what they've previously done is that what they're trying to figure out is what inflames what when okay we understand that there are inflammatory foods right we understand that Fried food is an inflam- considered an inflammatory food because it it holds it takes out and holds up more space in your system 
than it should. In other words, it's going to inflame the system. The same thing is true of certain fats. The same thing is true of a lot of the things that I like. Oh, I don't know, sugar, carbohydrates, all the foods that I would really like to spend my days eating. Uh, you need to think about you have to balance these things with, in this particular case, the frequency and intensity of migraine headaches declined with people who were on a higher fish oil diet. Now, this was not random. They did this intentionally to try and study which oils these people could best consume. Because let's face it, everybody's diet's got, even if you're doing nothing but sautéing an onion, you got to put it in some kind of oil. This was a 16-week dietary intervention. Um, they found that the diet lower... Well, actually, the found that the diet higher in the levels of omega-3 fatty acids, like those found in fish and shellfish, could actually soothe the pain pathway that leads to migraines. So for those of you who've wished for another reason to eat shrimp, now you have it. Not a bad thing at all. I will say that it does matter a lot um, which, which, which thing works for an individual. But I love that they studied 200 adults and were able to establish a pattern where the fish oils were, were actually, this is not like taking fish oil pills, this is cooking and eating with them, was, were able to do more for them. So we know what the wild bees like to eat. We know what people like to eat. Um, there are an awful lot of stories about food this this weekend. I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's because everybody like me figures that we're going to have an awful lot of considering of food this week. One of the things, of course, is how do plants adapt to changing environmental concerns, quote unquote, whether it would be, oh, I don't know, eight weeks of rain or if it would be a week and a half of really cold weather. Um, all of those things that we've experienced here, who knows? We're already looking at our first full-blown Hurricane Elsa out in the tropics. Um, I'm sure, like me, you look at the the path that they've put her on and it's a shame that she's going to go up to florida but you know i actually hope it doesn't change because we could do without that over here right now i'm sorry i'm not being mean i'm just being well i'm just being like i am okay can't help that i'd rather they had it than us because somebody's gonna get the hurricane next week uh interestingly enough Sean's got a branch forming on the uh, bottom trunk of an autumn blaze maple. Well, you lucky devil, you. And, and what's the best way to root that? Well, let's see. Um, there, uh, there's a couple of things that you could do. You can go out and test it. If it's about the size of a pencil um, or, or smaller than that, and you, you can bend it, but it doesn't snap, but it doesn't bend easily, then it's a semi-hard wood. It would be ready to root like that. However, if it's a shoot, and it's a little bit on the weak side, this would be a really good case for trench layering. Where you go out to the side of the tree, dig a little trench, put that branch down in it with part of it coming out on the other end so that you can form some roots in the soil in the in the part that you've buried. With something like this tree, you're going to have to put um, some dirt on top of it, of course, and probably a brick because the, the branch is going to want to spring out of the ground. And that's what we don't want. We want it to be in touch with the ground so that it can root. So either one of those two things would work, um, but, but it is a beautiful tree. You're exactly right. Autumn Blaze is gorgeous. Reporting in Nature Genetics, these folks from the Salk Institute are really um, 
helping us understand how plants are adapting. And indeed, it's about what they eat. It goes. To, we, we know, of course, that that if you put a plant in more shade than it would prefer to be growing in, it tends to stretch. Um, that's why I have a Bolivian salvia right now that should be about two feet tall that's close to three feet tall and still hasn't bloomed because it's in less sunlight than it would like to be in. But either, however we do that, we recognize that those things happen. We see them change and we understand that we can fix it. For example, I could take a cutting off of the plant, put it out in the sun, put the rest of the plant out in the sun and it would branch and turn around and bloom here in about a month probably. But now we're understanding how this directs, how the genes direct the activity in the plant to help it grow. And frankly, because it's really important how quickly the plants can respond to their environment, whether the nutrients are changed, their levels because of the change in the soil or because of temperature or because of other constituents of that environment. The findings will provide insight now into ways to safeguard the food production because we, we have to understand better how to deal with the shrinking amount of arable land that we have. So I think that's really cool. This this is a good, important thing. One of the questions, of course, is always, can we grow things in a little bit more shade and have them be healthy, have them grow the way they should? If we understand the way their genetics work, then yes, we can. We can provide shade for them, or we can even go the other direction and take some, some of the plants that are needing to grow in sun and actually have them be in more sun because we understand how all these things can work. Pretty interesting. We don't want to have, for example, bitter lettuce because of it growing in too much sunlight. Um, We don't want to have radishes. Radishes, you know, will grow in a month. But if you grow radishes in shade, they're going to be a little pithy. And if you grow them in too much bright sun, literally they're going to grow faster, and they also may get pithy. So there is a balance in there of both of those things. Um, those of us who like to grow radishes have found that it really does determine, depend on what time of year it is <laughs> for how well they do. Let's see now. Um, oh, Brenda, that's wonderful. Do you all remember me talking about Brenda's um, Brenda's and Brandon? She She had a tomato that sprouted in the tomato. And I said, well, go ahead and plant it because the, they do sometimes make tomatoes. Sure enough, she's got tomatoes. It's so cute. Congratulations. Brenda wins. (laughs) She wins today. That's great. And see, that plant learned how to grow, even though it wasn't able to grow. It grew. And that's how come she's got it. Um, One of the other things going on in that whole world of plant studies right now, (laughs) talking about plant roots taking up their nutrients and how it works. Well, sometimes a plant can dominate another plant simply because their roots are better adapted, all right? So this particular um, global vegetation project, part of the work is being done from the University of Wyoming, um, some of it from the German um, Center for Biodiversity, and a couple of other organizations as well. What they found is that the traits of the roots themselves, in other words, who's got the best roots, does indeed explain the distribution of species across the planet. And that informs how we choose and what we choose to plant, okay? Um, In other words, thick, dense roots were more likely to occur in warm climates. So as the temperature goes up, we know it's gone up five degrees in my lifetime, in, in, in just my lifetime, all right? And at that point, we understand that 
those warmer conditions are now where the other species have been living, which are the ones with thick, low-density roots that are more likely to happen in cold climates. So it's a matter of those roots adapting. And, yep, some of them are doing it amazingly. Um, symbiotic relationships with our friends, the mycorrhiza, their ability to acquire the resources that they need, like nutrients, all go to the construct of that root. And I, I love this. Um, this particular thing is so huge. There are 50 different entities that have contributed, academic institutions, environmental agencies, institutes, and laboratories that have contributed to this study. Um, so we've neglected to study our roots for too long, and we need to pay more attention to the best ways that they work. I'm happy to say that in the last few years we have seen more and more really great work beginning, of course, with this, perhaps the, the explanations that have been so clear, not that we hadn't studied it before, but the explanations um, by Dr. Ingram of the interest in the soil food web, that you know her, her research and her ability to explain it to everybody has really made a big difference. And I think that we are all the better for that. Yep, you got to know where your where your roots are if you're going to figure out how the plant grows or why it doesn't, frankly. And sometimes it just doesn't. But you know, one of the things that we talk about, I have I have some seeds that I'm starting now. And I was wishing that I had already done them in the the spring for this particular tomato because it grows and does sprout so easily. It's a hot weather tomato though, and I like it. Um it's the one that I've talked to y'all about from my friend. Um however, the question is always well, how long is it going to take for that seed to sprout? And you got to save some every year if you're going to have a fresh collection. I don't have a fresh collection, so I'm still waiting for these to sprout. I think they will, though. They're only a couple of years old, and they have been well-treated, so I'm confident. I am confident they'll make it. Okay, a little bit on this tomato method business. Um, I wanted to just tell you just a word or two about it since you've asked. Um. 25 years before this, so in other words, the the late the 70s is around when Jim Wilson decided that he needed to see how fast and how big he could grow tomatoes. <laughs> now, who knows why? But we gardeners, just like chefs and everything, we're, there's certain numbers of us that are very, very competitive. He says that uh, the harvest of up to 100 pounds of ripe fruits from two plants in a 30-gallon half barrel or 30-gallon trash can size thing have been reported and authenticated. He says, uh, I've only had 30-gallon cans produce about 60 pounds of ripe fruit, he says myself personally. But that's enough. Okay. My goodness. First, you have to understand that, first of all, you need steel fence posts, okay? (laughs) Does that tell you anything? You need chicken wire. Does that tell you anything? (laughs) We'll talk about it. There's lots of things to do. We can plant a lot of things, and one of them is, in fact, garbage can tomatoes right here on Weekend Gardening. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Here's something very helpful. You can join Mississippi Farm Bureau for less than $50 a year. There are so many benefits to your membership, including money-saving perks, access to Farm Bureau insurance, protecting your land, and making a difference in your community through advocacy. 
Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you, but not today. Litter is on the rise in our state, and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Ream Home AC Systems. (laughs) Are you feeling it? (sighs) Ream. The new degree of comfort. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The Philly cheesesteak sandwich or wrap, melt-in-your-mouth pulled pork sandwich, and the best burger in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Does your body hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Innovative Health Clinic, formerly Acoustic Wave Treatment Center, offers an affordable non-surgical solution through acoustic wave therapy. The beneficial effects of acoustic wave therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Schedule your appointment at 601-944-5585 or online at InnovativeHealthClinic.net. Now taking same-day appointments. From luxury hotels to homeowners, Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will exceed your expectations. Your beautiful new bath and shower are made with the same high-quality materials used in luxury hotels and installed in as little as one day. Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will provide the bath or shower custom designed you've always wanted with no heavy demo or weeks without your bath area. Visit bathfitter.com where you can design your own bath area and book your free in-home or virtual consultation. Bathfitter.com. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Shrimp. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Oysters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Your Fresh Seafood Headquarters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Highway 51 in Ridgeland, just past Lake Harbor Drive. 601-790-9407. Paid for by Protect My Car. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. These days, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you do own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just text PERKS to 323232 now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher, and all repairs for your engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Text PERKS to 323232 today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. That's right, total protection for your car and no more repair bills. Just text PERKS to 323232 to see if your car qualifies. Text PERKS to 323232. Never pay for car repairs again. Just text PERKS to 323232. That's PERKS to 323232. Text PERKS to 323232.
Well, hello there. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you so much for putting me in your ear today. It means a lot. It also means that you might be interested in what's growing, or you might be interested in what could be growing, or maybe what shouldn't be. Can we talk dollar weed for a moment? Can we talk gripe weed for a moment? Oh, my goodness. We all like to gripe about gripe weed, that's for sure. <laughs> let's see. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking, let's see, who is this? Oh, it's Tim. Hey, Tim. Looking at Tim's sunflowers, and I, I'm honestly telling you, I can't tell you what this bug is exactly, but I will be able to shortly. It is a true bug, and it's probably not a good thing. It looks to me like it. it there's every chance in the world um, that you're going to see them eating because you've got a couple of different generations going on here, they haven't, they haven't, have not matured yet. But I do think that that we've got a bit of a problem. I would, first of all, lay down something on the ground around the plants and just shake them because a lot of these bugs will fall off. And then it's going to be a matter of um, taking yourself, giving yourself a chance to continue to shake the plants, but also to pluck the bugs off and more than likely to spray them as well. Um, there, if, you're, if this is a crop that you're raising for seed, just make sure that you are using a sustainable product, one that can be done. Um, something like spinosad is going to take care of these creatures. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the true bug, and I think, you're, I think you've got two different instars of the same bug is what it looks like from here. Let's see. On the phone now, come in, come on in, Jim from Soso. Thank you so much for calling Weekend Gardening. What's going on, Garden Mom? I listen to you every weekend. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, I've lived out here for forty six years. When I first moved out here, the people that live in this house had a dog yard, and they would dump scraps over for the dogs. After they left that year, I had volunteer tomatoes come up. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Best that's ever grown on this hill. Since then, I cannot get a, my tomatoes will grow right now. They look like a the a poster child for Ethiopia or something like that. They're about three foot high and skinny, not doing nothing. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Milk will grow them. I've got compost. I've done everything I know to do. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Not too late. Start over Time to start again. Start the fall crop. Um, and I would suggest trying for cherry tomatoes or uh, what are called canning tomatoes or paste tomatoes, the Roma types. Those are usually easier plants to grow. I would also suggest getting a soil test right quick to see whether or not you need to be doing something to that soil before you plant in it again. Now, well, we don't want to grow the tomatoes in exactly the same soil the second time because that brings on a different set of problems. Um, you know, root knot nematodes are with us all the time. They love the roots of tomato plants, though, and if they get started on, because the, they'll start, but they can't do a lot of damage. However, if you come right back in and put another tomato plant in that same soil, the root knot nematodes feel like you have brought them Christmas, okay? They just take off and, and destroy the whole plant. So what happens is they get into the roots and set up housekeeping, and your plant stops growing, and so if you've done the plants twice in the same soil, you may be facing that right now, or it could just be that your soil needs a little bit of tweaking in terms of nutrition, okay? So get your soil test and get ready to plant again in about three weeks. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. We all um, we all appreciate the dilemma of what grows out of the compost patch. I've, I've had squash that I didn't recognize. Now, clearly they were a hybrid child in other words when a hybrid plant 
produces seed, it's not producing the seed of that hybrid plant. It's producing the seed of one of its parents or even its grandparents. But it it can be an interesting plant. And as he said, those tomatoes did great. (laughs) I have a friend that has a teeny tiny uh, tomato that that he grows because it did that. And he saved the seeds of that afterwards. And it's, it's really very sweet, very small, very nice tomato plant. Another plant that we're enjoying at this time of year are the um, budleas. The butterfly bushes are really in bloom now. Um, I was uh, I have them on my list of topics for this month. Um, we we really have been enjoying this intergenerational zooming um, with my folks. You know the Patreon community that y'all are so kind to come and join me in. And so the the whole business for a buck a month you can get. All my Zoom and, and all my any, anything else that get gets put up, there's Throwback Thursdays. There's a lot of archival information and stuff that we're putting into that particular platform. And I hope that you're you're enjoying it. Patreon.com slash Garden Mama. Y'all have been really sweet. But I want to talk about Budleas this month because it always comes up and there's not really time to talk about it except in that kind of a long form. There's different budlias, then they do different things. And when to prune them, and which ones to prune when, and all of those kinds of questions can really be troublesome. So I've got that on my list um, for Zoom in July. There's an awful lot of budlias that are just gorgeous, but we don't really, I don't think we appreciate them the way we could, because we just don't know how to take care of them. Um, and for one of the things that's interesting, perhaps, about that, is if, you, if you, like me, have been a student of Michael Durr, um, Dr. Durr over at the University of Georgia for years and years and years, it's one of the few things that I actually disagree with him about is the how to care for many of the Budleas. So he's not going to be there to argue with me, but I'll argue with him anyway in absentia. <laughs> so, um, let's see. We've got something else. This is interesting. Yep. Spindly tomatoes can be at too much shade. That's very true. That's very, very true. Um, and and we oftentimes do try to grow plants in less sun because, let's face it, we plant trees and then they grow. So that's that's part of it. Did you all hear about this? The uh, When I was a child, we were taught that, that um, uh, colocants were extinct. Turns out they're not. I do love things that turn out not to be whatever it was. Whatever we had to, you know, write in on that test, <laughs> that list of extinct animals. Well, turns out colocants shouldn't have been on that list. The lobe-finned, particularly, they are enormous, and they live very, very deep in the ocean. Um, in addition to being huge and living deep in the ocean, we're finally getting a grip. I guess, I don't know, did we... Did we get their birth records? I'm not really sure how we did it. Well, of course, obviously, we studied them. But the oldest specimen that we have found is 84 years old. That's pretty cool. They um, they really don't mature until until they're about 55, which is sounding more like humans these days. And, of course, um, the, the bad news is, if you're a colocanth, at least from my point of view, is that it takes five years to have another one. In other words, you you're carrying the baby for five years. So, um, it basically... Like so many things in science, we can reduce this to a number. We have underestimated their age by a factor of five. So we really missed on this one. You can't, it's very difficult to put geo trackers on underwater creatures. So they actually had to um, wait, they have to wait for them to die and then they study them. And in this particular case, 
it's almost the same as this growth rings. The scales on on these ancient gigantic fish are are really um, very very different to, over the years, and it, it makes them, given their large size, they do grow pretty quickly, but they actually don't. That's what we thought. The things we don't know. Nitrogen from agriculture, my friends. I'm always telling you, think about adding nitrogen, but you do have to be careful how much nitrogen you're going to put out there simply because, uh, yep, it can cause problems for our friends, the butterflies. Hmm. Think about it. And think about this. If you need to get in touch with Garden Mama and it's not Saturday morning, I have an email. I check it every day. Mama on air at yahoo.com. M-A-M-A. Now, I will tell you, it's pretty full. I may not get to you the same day you send the email, but I will get to you because I love hearing from you. This is Weekend Gardening. Don't cry, Look at where you've been. Do you ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. Hey, y'all. Let's take some pride and get it together for Mississippi. Many of our highways and roads are just covered in litter. Put trash in its proper place. And if you drive a truck, remember, trash blows. Be sure to secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road. Secure your load. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, online at baroniestreepros.com. 
I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. As case numbers and hospitalizations see slight increases, State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs reiterated the importance of getting vaccinated. 90% of our deaths are in unvaccinated. 96% of our cases unvaccinated. 95% of our hospitalizations unvaccinated. The vaccinations are saving lives. They're saving dollars. They're saving people having to go in the hospital. This push comes after the Delta variant becomes more prevalent and the state's vaccination rate remains low. And a new law has taken effect that allows individuals to move to Mississippi without having to reapply for a license in their career field. It's what Governor Reeves described as a win-win for everyone. Universal recognition will remove economic opportunity roadblocks and pave the way for a wave of professionals to move to the state, all while still upholding the standards that protect consumers. The governor specifically mentioned the impact this will have in attracting new teachers to the state. I'm Andy Davis. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Our members get to take advantage of several of our business partnerships. Today, I want to talk about one in particular, Ford. As a Mississippi Farm Bureau member, you are eligible for $500 bonus cash on a new Ford truck. Take advantage of this and many other great perks and join us today. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money. But they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, visit our website at msboc.us. Mississippi Congressman Benny Thompson has been selected by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as chair of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Thompson said the committee is uniquely focused on delivering a definitive accounting of the attack. And efforts to get gangs out of Mississippi's prisons are working, according to Corrections Commissioner Burl Kane. And we had a little bit of good news. The Aryan Brotherhood pulled out, so we don't have them anymore. They decided it was kind of hard to do business here, so they're kind of gone. And so they kind of did that. We found out officially from the outside saying we don't want to do any more in the prison. Gas prices are ticking upward, and fuel analyst Trilby Lundberg says the trend doesn't seem to be slowing down. There's going to be a few more cents at the pump. This period had only about one-third of the crude oil price hike pass through all the way down to the street. There's some states that are hiking fuel taxes. So for a number of reasons, I think we may see another three to five cents in the next couple of weeks. I'm Andy Davis. From Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Now that the college baseball season is officially over with, the postseason awards are being announced. Mississippi State outfielder Tanner Allen has been named the National Player of the Year of the American Baseball Coaches Association. He joins Will Clark and Brent Rooker as the only other Bulldog baseball players to earn the National Player of the Year honor. And the All-American teams have been announced. Tanner Allen made the first team collegiate baseball along with Landon Sims. Will Bednar was the third team. College Baseball Writers Association, Old Mrs. Doug Nikhazy, he made first-team collegiate baseball. And Taylor Broadway made first-team collegiate baseball writers association. Jacob Gonzalez was second-team on that. And Ray Tremble made second-team on the college baseball writers association as well. And Hunter Stanley made second-team honors for collegiate baseball and third-team from the D1Baseball.com. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. If you need a contractor to help rebuild your home after a disaster, don't get scammed. Go licensed. Be skeptical about door-to-door offers of repair services. Ask friends and family for recommendations of contractors that they've used. Get at least three bids and never pay in cash. Don't make a bad situation worse. Protect yourself and your family after disaster strikes. Go licensed. For more information, visit our website at www.msboc.us. More postseason baseball awards. The All-South Region Division II team have been announced, making first team from Delta State, second baseman Jake Barlow and pitcher Hunter Riggins, making second team All-South Region. From Delta State was Hayden White, along with Kirkland Trahan from Mississippi College, Dakota Kennedy, and Caleb Breeze. Making All-America second team in Division II was Jake Barlow from Delta State. And Pearl River Wildcat pitcher Landon Gartman, was named the National Junior College Baseball Division II Pitcher of the Year. He finished the season 9-0 and for the Wildcats with a 1.95 ERA. The Wildcats finished the season 36-9. and That 1.95 ERA for Gartman was the second best ERA in junior college in the nation. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. Yes, indeed. We are celebrating Independence Day. We are sending appropriate hail states out for the world champion baseball team yeah 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 okay now that's enough y'all can calm down it's time to think about other stuff well no it's not celebrate the whole weekend for them come on <laughs> it's a big deal it's a delightful deal my name's Nellie Neal I am not a state graduate I am however a big fan of baseball so that makes me very happy and I'm very happy because so many of my friends have never had this joy before and I'm, I'm glad y'all are getting a chance because it's it's really a treat. I have never been to College World Series, but I back before there were um, opportunities to actually go do all those things, I, I did have a friend who took a Super 8 camera <laughs> and brought back really cool footage of it before anybody cared about that kind of stuff back in the day, as it were. Welcome in. Thank you so much for being a gardener and or a radio listener. This is, of course, an opportunity for us to talk about plants, talk about what's going on in the green world, talk about the things we wish would grow, talk, talk about a few other things as well here and there, changing gardening conditions, um, sort of the excitement of hurricane season. And I say that with all honesty because it is exciting. Unfortunately, sometimes it can be more than exciting. 
And I like to keep you up on what's going on in the research world because, frankly, there's not enough science programs on anywhere, and it's one of my big passions. So there you have it. 888-808-8637, that is the Super Talk call line. Whether you have been calling for years or the first time you've ever even heard this program, I welcome you in. Daniel will pick up the telephone and talk to you and be very, very nice. He will probably call you ma'am or sir. He can't help it. Um, and we, and he, you'll get on the air with me. I won't call you ma'am or sir probably, but I might. You never can tell. Go ahead and send a text to the C Spire text line. Show me what you're doing. 601-879-4395. Trey keeps sending pictures of the tomato canning project. This is just wonderful. They're beautiful. The tomatoes are beautiful. The canning project is beautiful. And of course, that's all what everybody's wishing for at this time of year is not only enough to put up, but frankly, somebody to help them do it. (laughs) So that's really great. I was talking about aphids with you in the previous hour. Um, They are an ongoing problem for us everywhere in garden world you know they're they're a teeny tiny little creature they'll be they look kind of like the head of a pin um they'll be on just a crust on a rosebud they'll cover up your tomato flower um they'll also be in the very tip top of your river birch trees and crepe myrtles and all kinds of other places but now I didn't realize that there were some that were not considered invasive. I presume there are because we now are concerned about alien aphids. Yep, that's right. I need that echo sound behind me, but I don't do that. From the University of South Australia, an invasive species of aggressive aphids. (laughs) No, it's true. That can be terrible. This can do some serious damage to Kangaroo Island, all right? This was the first sighting of this critter on the island's Dudley Peninsula, Aphis lugentis, which is a problem. It's another blow for Kangaroo Island's environment. The um, They had brush fires there, decimated more than half of the island and almost all of the national park there. What they found was that there's a native species of daisy that has been one of the first things to come back, common groundsel, scented groundsel, rather. It's a Senecio odoratus. It's 16 species of Senecios grow there, and at least 10 are of conservation concern. You may know Senecio. Um, it's a wonderful family of succulent-type plants that includes string of pearls, for example. But it's a big family, though. It includes a lot of things. So coming from North America, unfortunately... The sap-sucking black aphids, uh-huh, I know them, have spread across multiple continents in the past 20 years. This is the first record of the pest making it to Australia. And unfortunately, they can threaten anything in that daisy family, the compositae family. I got news they can tra- they can really take a lot take on a lot of other plants as well, but, but this particular one is particularly fond of these. So the presence could have serious consequences on the seedling survival of a lot of these plants, and that indeed really doesn't even stop there. Then there's impact on the ant community. There's you know because we understand about ants and aphids and their relationship. Um, currently, 1,200 plus of Australia's threatened and endangered species are directly affected by get this 207 invasive plants. 57 animals and three pathogens, all of which are invasive, all of which have come from somewhere else. The most recent estimates 
could be, oh, I don't know, Australian dollars, $13 billion a year. And that was back around 2012 when they could actually figure out that amount of money. But it's a big loss. It's a big problem. Obviously, we have so many things, you know, um, so, so many things. Would you talk about wave petunias? Well, sure, Jackie, she says, or he. Um, vines started out well, but now uh, it looks like they're dying off and they're spindly and and, um, and something else is chomping on canna lilies. Well, the good news about wave petunias is head shears or a string trimmer if you have a bed that's big enough. Cut them off and, and fertilize them. They're going to pop right back. They are affected by things like excessively wet weather or even excessively dry weather sometimes but they they will make it back and particularly if you will give them um, a haircut right now and some fertilizer i should also say i've seen some impatience that look like they had flowers at the top and this watery looking stem and no leaves at the bottom it's time to cut those off too they'll, they'll pop right back fertilize them cut them back and fertilize them all those kinds of annuals then they will do much better in the next few weeks um, wave petunias were intended they don't say this, but I believe they were intended to be the, the the solution to how come you can't grow petunias all year round. So because they extended the petunia season just by weeks and weeks and weeks on both ends. And in fact, now, of course, um, they're, the, they're the chosen plant of many highway medians. Um, where, where you might have thought of other ice plants or other things like that because they are able to take a fair amount of drought. So if the wets, if the soil's been wet where they are, that can cause them to get spindly, but it can also be just age and the, the changing of conditions. Wet one week, dry the next, hot today, chilly tomorrow, all that sort of thing. They respond to all that, but they, they rebound very, very quickly. Um, oh, that's nice. Oh, good, good, good. Um, I was right. It's a smoke tree. Yay. Congratulations to me. We brought in Stump the Horticulturist. Pretty picture, but I had to get one that had a little bit closer look so I could see the structure of that plume of flowers, but also because the leaves are a little bit different on smoke tree than on other things that have kind of a cloud of flowers around them. Okay? Okay. Oh, this is a this is a fun thing. Um, this time of year, we're always looking for the best way to grow this, that, or the other thing and, and how to get things through the summer. And I have to say, there are some things that just grow too quickly. Um, there are some things that, that barely make it, and then at this time in the year, suddenly they're up to your knees. And um, one of those, there, there are several weeds that will do this at this particular time, and I am talking in some part about my friend gripeweed don't let that get up to your knees don't even let it get ankle high pull it out of the ground as soon as you see it but there are there's some other things um that that we we really don't even notice until midsummer and you may you may have goldenrod coming up you may have ironweed you may have any number of things coming up that you didn't realize but look around guess what else is still out there it's the dandelions Mm-hmm. And they're in full bloom. You don't want them next year? Get out there and take, drop a brown bag, you know, like a, a lunch bag over the top of them and then pull the stem out of the ground so that all those seeds shatter into your bag, which you can get out of the garden. It's just a little tip that somebody told me about a long time ago, and I've done it a few times, and it does help. <laughs> it does indeed help. It is July now. Don't forget, when you go out of town, your plants are still going to need some attention. You may have a reliable neighbor or 
I have known dog sitters that for a little extra money would also take care of your plants. But there's other things. There's there's drip irrigation that you can put on a timer, for example, that will come on and just water them once a day or every other day, however often you feel like your plants need a little attention while you're gone. There are also plenty of reservoir pots. If you use those, then all you have to do is make sure they're full when you go away. If you're not gone more than a week, they'll be fine. You go longer than that, you're going to need that neighbor again. But it's also true that a children's, a child's, swimming pool the, the the really small ones can be used as a nice place to put all those plants on the porch bring that thing up on the porch put the plants in it put in about a couple of inches of water they'll be fine for a week in the shade with a little hydration you can keep a whole lot of plants from going sideways on you when you go out of town make sure that you do that now it is also really important to do all your deadheading and everything before you go away and keep everything make sure everything's fertilized and all that but you know, then you gotta pick up the new, get somebody to pick up your newspaper if you still get a newspaper, um, change the lights if you don't have a timer for that, check the mail, you know, yada, yada, yada. So there is a whole profession that we have forgotten about. It's called the house sitter. And if you are the dog sitter, mail getter, waterer of plants, you certainly can have plenty of work this year because everybody seems to be going out of town. <laughs> this is really the, ta- the time to be thinking about that. Let's see. Um, another question for down the road future project, building an outside kitchen, wouldn't we all? Um, large enough to do canning. Well, I, I don't know specifically where to get your information about it, but um, the, the 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 whole notion of there, there's just a whole world out there of outdoor kitchens, some of which are set up for canning, some of which are set up to be a potting shed on the other end, some of which are set up to be a leisure area with a television on the other end. And I just I just have to encourage you to start looking around and figure out what it is that you actually want. Um, and that'll lead you to the right design. If I were going to do it myself, I would love to have an outdoor kitchen, but I would love more to have a potting shed. So what I would actually like is a potting shed with a porch that also has a couple of burners out on the side, <laughs> you know, for a little charcoal, perhaps a, a, a little bit of canning, but uh, not as much as, as all of that. I was looking at the perennials that are in bloom along one of the streets that I drive fairly frequently, and I noticed that they're, the black-eyed Susans are all in bloom already. I don't remember them before later in July, but this has been a little bit of a different year. Um, and they, They're just, just beautiful, beautiful. I'm really happy about that. Um, this is one of those things. It is Rudbeckia, I'm sure, Goldsturm, which is one of the plants that we have, we planted in excess. And then it turns out that when we take the seeds, it does produce the same, just almost exactly the same plant. That's kind of nifty. Really beautiful thing. Um, looking at the greenhouse built from the... Uh, um, greenhouse combination underground <laughs> storm shelter. I have a few thoughts about that, but I probably shouldn't share them. I'm not really sure about that one. Hmm, we'll see about that. We will see about that. Now, if you are growing Budlias, by the way, and you want to use them as cut flowers, they are pretty good cut flowers, but you're not going to have the longest stem on them because part of the beauty of that Budlia is, in fact, its arching shape. So if you were going to grow some that were for particularly for cutting, 
Um, I, I would make sure that you're growing some of the smaller varieties that are not intended to be gigantic arching branches that are just in, they're just intended to send up nice, you know, 18 inch um, flower stems. There's some really beautiful ones. Most of the ones are Budlia davidii, which is the, the main one. They're going to be five or ten feet tall even. But we've also got um, a little, a smaller group, and they're the ones that I like to see in flower, in bouquets, for example, in cut flower gardens, because um, the, the, the smaller ones, they're called the nanos. Um, just like there's nano for hydrangeas that is a smaller plant and a smaller flower. These are nanos in, in the Budlia world. And they're they're really pretty. They those colors though are just jewel tones, lilacs and, and really gorgeous opalescent um pink colors and, and really pretty things, even red. So nice, nice plant. If you got uh if you're putting them into a bed Make sure that you read how wide your plant's going to get before you stick it in there with a bunch of other stuff. But if they're going to be the focal point itself of of a, of a, of a perhaps a, a flower bed or maybe something else was there and isn't there anymore, and you know you like in my case the pitcher's mound it's not there anymore. Take that out, put it in the flower bed. That's a nice place for a budlia, beautiful place. It is time to plant uh, those southern peas again if you haven't already done so, or if you have. And that, that's a delightful plant to grow, one of the fun ones, um, one of the really fun ones. Let's see. Um, talking about wave petunias. Well, yes, I'm sorry. You did miss them, but I'll say it again. That's okay. And what's chomping on the canna lilies? Uh, the canna lilies are probably, there, there's any number of things that will eat the canna lilies. If the cannas are not being um, bound up, you know, by by our friends that, that actually do the leaf rolling, if this, this is just something eating the cannas, that's another case really for stomping and squishing, plucking them off and, and getting them out of there. That's probably not a big problem. The cannas may be eaten by things, but if you can, you just get them physically out, they're probably not going to come back again on you. If they do, then we can talk about what to, to use to control them. But right now we just kind of like to leave the cannas alone if we possibly can. Um, it's also uh, true that the petunias, if you just, it, I, I say the best friend of the wave petunia is head shears, because at this time of year you just hedge them off, get them down to about four inches tall, fertilize them, and let them rock again. If they're in full sun, they're going to do even better than if they're in part shade, but they will respond no matter where they're growing. They're beautiful, beautiful plants, easy ones too. Let's see, um, I've never cooked dandelion greens. Um, and do you put the flowers in with the greens? No. The flowers are entirely separate. The flowers are actually, to me, the, the weed part. They're the thing that I don't want because it's going to make so many more dandelions. Now, if you're trying to make dandelion wine, that's different. You probably want to plant all those seeds. But that's, that's a different thing. Um, cooking dandelion greens, I have only ever had them lightly steamed and thrown into a salad as a sharp, bitter um, taste. Okay. It was okay. Wasn't anything I was necessarily going to cultivate. But then again, I'm not the biggest fan of arugula either. So if dandelions were as hip as arugula, we would all be harvesting them and sending them off to restaurants across the world because we have plenty of dandelions. I know. You can call me crazy if you want to. I take it as a compliment. My name's Nellie Neal, and yep, I am the crazy mama. This is Weekend Gardening.
Y'all listen up. Have you seen all the litter on the sides of our roads? We need to all do our part to fight litter. Put trash in its proper place and make sure items in your truck beds are secure. Remember, trash blows. Secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road, secure your load. If you're building a new home or remodeling an older home, Amazing Propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces, even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Propane, clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com to learn more. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Shrimp. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Oysters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Your Fresh Seafood Headquarters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Highway 51 in Ridgeland, just past Lake Harbor Drive. 601-790-9407. For all your glass needs, call Venable Glass Services. Glass Networks, they're going to try and steer you to use their own glass shop. Well, you could tell your insurance you want to use Venable Glass, and there will be no additional cost to them to get the highest quality glass. Venable Glass is locally owned and operated, and they do windshield replacement and rock repair right there in their shops, or they'll even come to you in the Tri-County area for free. That's right, free mobile service. At Venable Glass, they also do frameless and frame shower doors, mirrors cut to size, and installed. Picture frame glass, table and desktops, insulated glass, plexiglass, commercial storefronts and doors and heavy equipment glass. Venable Glass, they'll come out and give you a free estimate. They want to work hard for your business. Venable Glass, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and on Saturday, 8 to noon. Hey, there's two locations, too, in Ridgeland at 660 Highway 51 North and Brandon at 209 Woodgate Drive South in Crossgates. Check them out on the web at www.venableglass.com. Remember, for all your glass needs, call Venable Glass Services, 601-605-4443. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. Attention, if you deal with anything from minor to extremely hazardous environmental spills, you've got to check out the full line of absorbents at ESI Supply. They've got white and gray absorbent pads by the bundle or by the roll, sock knit broom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and more. Just because you haven't had a spill doesn't mean you won't. Give the guys at ESI a call to find out more about how you can be prepared and protect your business's liability. 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910. Or visit ESISupply.net. Selling your vehicle? We'll buy it. Need to put it on our lot? We'll consign it. Just need a new ride for the new you? We'll trade it. Pinnacle Motors needs you. Well, need your vehicle. Steve Owen and the friendly staff of Pinnacle Motors is buying, consigning, and trading quality pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs at the corner of Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon and online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Pinnacle Motors needs you. Well, needs your vehicle. Quality vehicles. Affordable prices. Pinnacle Motors. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. 
Gee, I wish I could play like that. For those of you who appreciate picking and grinning as much as I do, you should know that there's a whole boatload of these. This is, in fact, a Grateful Dead song. This is from the album Picking on the Grateful Dead. It's a song called Althea, and it is one of my very favorite trees and also one of my very favorite tunes of theirs. But it, I don't care who you like. If you've never heard Aerosmith being picked, <laughs> you need to listen to it. But also opera music. I mean, there's all kind of things, all right? This is the boatload of really good-natured folks out there that enjoy this using their style on different genres of music. It's fun. Why not? Why not? Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. That is the telephone number here. And here of course is weekend gardening. I'm your garden mama. Because as my daughter said so long ago, everybody's garden needs a mama mama. So here I am. And I'm happy to be here with you on Saturday. The best two weeks of my week, two hours of my week, I don't know about you, but uh, the garden time is important for everybody and gives us all an opportunity to really actually, just like they always tell you you need to do, get your hands in the dirt, feel what's real, and know some things that you didn't know before. For example, uh, Jeanette's in Pascagoula. She would like to know about trees for shade. 26 feet from the house to from the front of the house to the street and maybe a 45 foot wide area. Um, I'm going to suggest small trees. I don't know what's producing that the level of shade that that she's considering, but if if we're talking about loquat and uh, buckeyes and you know loquat's not going to be necessarily as fruity as it would be if it had maybe half a day of sun but it's a beautiful tree in the shade and makes and it will make it'll go every effort that it can to make fruit for you buckeyes are another thing that's going to grow well in a shaded area which is what i'm thinking like high shade is how we call that or dappled shade in other words if you've got gigantic trees you got giant live oaks or you got giant catalpas or you have some other huge huge tree there's a certain amount of shade much far away from that tree. In other words, it, it casts its canopy casts a, a lot. So it's a really good idea to put something in there that is a smaller size than you might have considered because it is going to grow well and do beautifully and be opened up in that space. Um, we think of dogwood as another case, another one where there are some of the magnolias that are under tree understory species i should say um understory is what you're looking for when you if you want to go look at a list the understory trees are the ones that are going to grow under the shade of another gigantic tree okay check that out see let let me know what you decide because that's a really good choice ronnie's from sumrall welcome in how you doing ronnie what's up i'm doing well good to speak to you again good um i bought a fig tree maybe around five years ago and i put it where I thought it would be happy and it sat there for about two years and it didn't do much of anything so I decided well, I'm going to move it I moved it the first year it shot up to about four foot tall second year like right now since I've moved it it's probably around ten feet tall so it is definitely taken off mm-hmm. I was wondering how long does it normally take to pr- produce fruit on that tree oh a couple of years in the new spot it just throws them off when they get moved and then they put all that energy into growing um i have i have a, tr- a f- one fig tree that had literally uh, part of it died 
And the result was that when it regrew, I had figs on one side of the tree but not the other for a couple of years until it could even itself out. So I think you're in, you're in much better shape than you were. And if you have um, the opportunity next January, you want to do a little bit of pruning on it and probably just bring it down a little bit so that you're not having figs way up over your head, go ahead and bring it down a foot or two in the in the winter next year. And that will help also to stimulate more branching and more growth. While we're on the pruning point, let me just ask you this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I notice the way it's growing, it's not like a tree tree. It's got like a lot of just looks like shoots coming from the ground, yeah. almost like, you know, it's, should I trim them out and get like one main stalk or no. is that just how figs grow? No. Some figs grow that way. Some figs grow from a trunk. But the the ones that I like myself have at least four or five trunks at the base because it provides a more open form. That puts more sunlight in. That means more figs. So if you only have one trunk, then you got to get sunlight up in the canopy, and you may or may not be able to do that. But why, because you've got branches coming up from ground level, You'll be able to thin them as you need to. That's another thing you can do in January is to select the ones that you want to leave as the strongest trunks. And that's going to give you more figs in the long run. All right. As always, you're helpful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. Take care of Sumrall for me. Wonderful place. Let's see. Bill from Starkville. Welcome in. What's going on, sir? Are you still doing good? I was calling in. Go ahead. I was calling in regards to my cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the vine, they'll be big as a golf ball, per se, for about three or four inches. And then they narrow down or neck down for another three or four inches. And mm-hmm. they're just size-wise about as big as a nickel. So I was calling to try to find out what was going on. Almost everybody that I've talked to that grows cucumbers has had the same situation that you're having this particular year. And there are a couple of things that can cause cucumbers to not fill entirely, which is what this is doing. Um, some, some of it's related to some varieties do it more than others, but just about every variety is doing it this year. Even some of the English ones are making a curve at the bottom, and they never do that. What we're looking at is soil that was so wet and so cold when we planted the cucumbers in the springtime relative to other years. They just, they, they're good, but they're not great. And the other thing, of course, that happens is it rains and rains and rains while they're filling, so they fill the first part quickly, and then they can't go any farther because their roots are saturated. Um, so I thought you're not you're not alone, and it's not you just have short cucumbers that, with ends that you have to cut off this year. Be terrible if you wanted to make pickles, but on the other hand, for slicing and whatnot, it's still uh, people are still apparently making a lot of cucumbers. They've just got a little kink in them. It's just yep. whether you didn't do anything wrong. All right, good deal. I appreciate it. Thanks Thank you, Bill. Much. Enjoy. Go ahead, but do go ahead and pick them because otherwise they'll get bitter if you leave them on the vine too long. So go ahead and be, be sure that you do that. Um, let's see. Um, there's that's right. There's there's a lot of hill country folk. Now, what you probably didn't know about the Grateful Dead is that Jerry Garcia himself actually does come from a bluegrass background, but it's. It, it is the Mexican-American form of, of bluegrass, or Spanish, I should say Hispanic-American version, um, which is real popular in California, was when he was a kid anyway. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, 
A lot of happy Fourth of July's coming in. Thank you. Oh, June was looking for a tree to make shade. Okay. Um. Well, in a space that is, you've got twenty feet from your house to the street. You got an area that's about forty-five feet wide. You can grow almost anything you want to, but I would consider something like green ash or um, something that's going to be one of the. When we talk about the trees, we're talking about the, them being in a mid-range of height. I don't think you need a catalpa because you wouldn't have any room for anything else in your yard, and probably no lawn either in about five years. So I'm going to say go for a couple of trees that will be smaller than that. There, there are maples. There's, um, there's, there's also some other beautiful trees. It's really a matter what you like to look at at this point because some people consider a crepe myrtle to be a shade tree simply because it can be big enough and wide enough that you can sit under it. So it, it's kind of hard for me to tell you what in a, which one's in a space, but you are looking at medium to large size trees. You're not looking for large to extra large. Check out, go to your garden center, take a look at some things, talk to a couple of folks, but mostly just ride around and see whose trees you like. I think you, you might even, for instance, we were talking about smoke tree earlier. That's another beautiful tree for that kind of setting where you you want some shade, but you don't want a tree that's going to dominate your landscape. Um, you can certainly, you can dig up anything that you'd like and put it to a different place in your garden. Just a couple of other answers. Um, but if you're, for example, you have a mature tomato plant, I'm not going to dig it up out of the ground at this point and do anything with it unless I'm just trying to save it because it's about to die. And I think there's something I could do by containerizing it or something like that. But I, there's very few reasons to do that. Um, and what about hydrangeas? Um, hydrangeas, it's very difficult to do that in the summer, digging them up, take, taking them out of the ground when they are in full bloom as they are now, it's very difficult. On the other hand, it's another plant that if you run into it at the garden center or your friend gives you one that they've rooted, by all means, take care of it, enjoy it, but keep it on the porch or in the semi-shaded area until you can plant in the fall. That's a much better time for all of that. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. By the way, Speaking of all of these crazy things that the researchers are telling us about, I had no idea. We we talk about, every time we get into hurricane season lately, we talk about the coastal overtopping. And unfortunately, what we're seeing, in not just in models, but actually in reality, is overtopping that is taking on a greater role around the world than it had been. Um, there's an awful lot of opportunities for us to, you know, we've got 10% of the world's population that lives along the coasts. There's a reason for that. It's beautiful. But Nature Communications is the source of this particular bit of work. Um, they want you to understand that as you are looking at the future, you're looking at around the world areas that are going to be wetter, areas where the sea level is going to go up, and we just have to pay attention to that and make sure that we're doing we're not that we are not literally doing things that are going to be useless. And by that, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the best example. I spent hours of my life as a young person collecting Christmas trees to put off the coast of Louisiana in the hope of cre- recreating environment there for the barrier islands. We spent a lot of effort 
it didn't do very much. Okay, we you have to look at conservation efforts from a bigger picture than I think we used to do, and that's why this is so important. Understanding about coastal overtopping as it affects around the world is going to give us more opportunity to address the hot spots as well as to figure out where where the next place to build is. Um, I don't, I don't, I've never actually thought that half of California would fall off because of an earthquake, but it is possible, and it is, it is possible that some of our beloved coastal cities could be a damper place than they are now. Um, there, there are folks who maintain that Interstate 10 will be the coast highway in, in, probably in Daniel's lifetime, probably not in mine, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I do know that this is true. When you've got a ground cover that is overrun with something like, oh, I don't know, poison ivy or but any other any noxious weed, it can be very, very difficult because particularly after winter, the plant itself is trying to recover from winter kill. And then you've got all these weeds that are coming up and they do seem to get ahead because they're more aggressive. They grow faster than the regular plant does, and they don't have the necessity to overcome the freeze. They're coming up because there's damage in that ground cover bed that allows them to have sunlight and water and space to come up. So this is really the time, if you haven't done it before, to go ahead. It's again with the head shears. Get out there and prune down. If you, if you're, if you have poison ivy, obviously I don't want you to prune that down. I want you to spray it or prune it so that it can sprout again and then spray it, whichever is the better way for that setting. But if you've got areas in your ground covers that just have not made it back yet, this is the time to take a few inches off the top with the head shears, fertilize the whole business. And if it doesn't rain, make sure that you're getting some water to that space. I put in some new mulch this week, um, pulled out a bunch of weeds and, and got uh, some some mulch in. And I waited for it to rain in order to see where the, if it was going to wash or if I needed to add other things. What I noticed most is that one of my three shrubs that I – put into that bed in the wintertime looks a whole lot worse than the other two. So that's this weekend's project, to go out and stare at that thing and say, what's the matter with you? And sometimes that's really all that we're doing because the plants are going to react differently. This one is at the front end of the bed. It gets the first sun in the morning, and it may just be having more uh, transplant stress than the other two. But we shall see. We shall see. I hope that you have had as fun of a harvest as I have. The blueberries are just bountiful and delicious. I'm telling you, it is time to prune. Got to put that on my list, too. Hmm. Think about it. Hey, now, good morning, y'all. Off to my Tupelo honeys. I've got some info for you, and it's always the same. It's always Van. It's always the man. This is Weekend Gardening. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all. 
costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go license. For more information, visit our website at msboc.us. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Did you know that one out of four jobs in the state depends on agriculture? That's why we started the Mississippi Ag in the Classroom. It's a school program helping grades K-12 through acquire broader knowledge about agriculture and how it impacts them. It's great to see them learn and get excited about where their food and clothes come from. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. This hour of weekend gardening is brought to you locally in part by the Tractor Store, your Mahindra dealer on Highway 49 South in Richland. The Tractor Store is proud to sell Mahindra, the world's number one tractor. The Tractor Store, your farm and lawn equipment destination. From luxury hotels to homeowners, Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will exceed your expectations. Your beautiful new bath and shower are made with the same high-quality materials used in luxury hotels and installed in as little as one day. Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will provide the bath or shower custom designed you've always wanted with no heavy demo or weeks without your bath area. Visit bathfitter.com where you can design your own bath area and book your free in-home or virtual consultation. Bathfitter.com. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. Come shop the freshest locally grown fruits and vegetables, meats, and other farm-raised products at the Mississippi Farmer's Market every Saturday from 8 to 1. While there, you can grab breakfast or lunch at the City Limits Cafe and shop our new Genuine Mississippi store for unique items made right here in Mississippi. The store is also open weekdays 11 to 1 every day. All this at the Mississippi Farmer's Market, 929 High Street in Jackson, right near the fairgrounds. Y'all come see us. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. Green Home Solutions is a proud VIP sponsor of The Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon.
And sometimes the computer makes its own decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to rain today where I am. It might be raining where you are. That all depends, I suppose. This is Weekend Gardening and our opportunity every Saturday all year round to have a chance to talk about the plants that we love and, well, frankly, the gardeners that we love, but also the plants that we're not so crazy about. And on that particular schedule, I have to talk about Montbrigia for a moment or Crocosmia. What a controversial plant. It is in the category with cashmere bouquet and autumn uh, uh, autumn clematis. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of them. If you just let them come up and grow, they'd be all you had in your yard in the southern part of the United States. People other places pay lots of money for them. We spend a boatload of time trying to get rid of them. And there are good advantages to, to both. There are advantages and disadvantages to growing them. But there are good places for them. And it really does come down to the place. Just as you might not want goldenrod in your driveway, you know, next to your car, but you would drive along the road and look at it and be very pleased by all those beautiful flowers. The same thing is true of some of these other plants. So just keep that in mind. When if something seems to be getting away from you like Crocosmia can do, just pull it up. And yes, you may have to, you know, pay your kid a penny a pop to pull them out of the ground or something like that, but that's okay. That gives that kid an opportunity to start learning how to work which, frankly, everyone needs to learn how to do in this world. There's plenty of it to be done. All right? All right. Now, I had never in my life considered this question, and I I'm, I'm just don't even know what's wrong with me that I didn't consider this. But marine biology is not my biggest, strongest suit, all right? Love love the oceans, love, love to get in the oceans when I have the opportunity to do that. But new research from Trinity College in Dublin, mm-hmm, that's right, of all things, there's, there's this really why remains un, has remained unsolved until now. Why are some fish warm-blooded? Huh? What? Yep. Well, I never thought about it. Okay, obviously warm-blooded fish are able to regulate their body temperatures. Okay, that's what warm being warm-blooded is characteristic of being warm-blooded. It's not that you, that your temperature is not demand not dictated by the outer conditions, it's by your inner conditions. But they they're letting us know that warm-blooded fish um, they don't they don't really live in water that spans a wide range of temperatures, so they don't have to adapt that much. But they, they they don't have to adapt, you know, as much as as something would if it if they lived in a different part of the ocean. So now we understand that the evolutionary advantage of being warm blooded is that they can go faster. All right, because they're able to recover quickly from the colder temperatures, get warmer, and and get back into motion. Or in terms of re- regulating their body temperatures, if they get too warm, they can regulate quickly back. But that's because they don't live where it re- is demanded that they go extremely high temperature and extremely low temperature. That wouldn't work as well. That's why cold-blooded fish react to their temperatures, of course, but it's the temperatures on the external. So that's kind of interesting. Um, some believe being warm-blooded made them swim, allowed them to swim faster. Warmer muscles obviously would be warmed up better, but others believed it allowed them to live in a broader range of temperatures. Turned out, nope. <laughs> but it's uh, it's definitely a good point to discover in something. Just shows you how many basic things there are that we don't necessarily know the answer to. 
Big old tree fell over the street uh, this week. It it wasn't raining very hard. We, we had had some rain and and okay, y'all know how happy I am that I have a sidewalk in front of my house finally. In the capital city of our state, for goodness sakes, we should certainly have sidewalks, right? Well, yes, but whatever they did to the drainage means that as opposed to having several places along the street where it kind of gathers and then goes into the storm drain, all of the water gathers in front of my neighbor's house now, so we have flash floods. (laughs) This is not good. It's, I'm sure, going to cost more than they can imagine to fix it, but... It's quite something. Um, I was, we, were, we were watching a boatload of literally of cars and trucks that we had water up to their over their wheels um, in just in the middle of the main street there. You know, it's not like I live on a sidebar somewhere. I live in the, in the middle of town. It was really weird. But they were all very surprised. And then they were really surprised when the, tr- the, the tree falls over, which was not during the rain. But you, you can't drive through the tree. And people drive up my street and think, well, I'll just, well, wait, no, I can't. Oh, no, I have to turn around. And there's already been three people between there and the corner telling you to turn around and go, trying to direct traffic. But people just don't pay attention. It was really something. Big old tree, too. It's gone. It is gone. If you'd like to dig up bulbs and uh, relocate them at this time of year, that's okay. We always wish that you would allow daffodils and crinums and other perennial bulbs like that to die back at least halfway so that they can, again, we're translocating just the same place we started. We're translocating nutrients into the plant itself from those leaves on the outside. Just like if your, for example, your gardenia has no other problems, but the lower leaves are yellow, then it's time to fertilize because it's giving up the nitrogen from the lower part to the upper part. Same thing would be true if it was a sunflower or a zinnia. But in this particular situation, um, we're looking at, at bulb plants, and the same is true. Now, I know I say that, and somebody is immediately going to send me a note that says, I dug up all the ones in my yard when they were in bloom so I could see what they looked like from my mother's house. I know that. But it's not what the plant would have you do. If you could, if the plant could recommend to you, the plant would say, please wait until half the leaves have turned brown before you start digging up and, and relocating them or even putting them into storage for that matter. Um, those of you who are gl- growing caladiums, you may think about, oh, I don't store anything, but you're going to want to store those caladiums. If anything tells you that, if your temperature was below 30 for more than a minute this last winter, and believe me, most of Zone 8 was below 30 for more than a minute, this is the good indicator for you that those caladiums would have rotted in your soil. So that's a, it's a good opportunity to recognize that that's a plant you can have with you forever if you take care of it. Oh, I love this. Um, who could, who would have thought with so many people just always doing research in the in Amazonia, in the Amazon basin, who in the world would think that they could find anything else? Well, the folks in Turku, in the University of Turku in Finland, are really big on biodiversity. They study Amazonia. They study Africa. And from time to time, we find something of theirs that's really interesting. Um, in this particular case... They have discovered the Dolichitimus me wasp, which is looks it, the body's black, but it, it glow it glitters. It, it's uh, it's like shiny. It glitters electric blue when it's flying. How fun is that? 
I love that they're able to do this. They call them the flying jewels, and they have um, it's a parasitoid wasp previously unknown in South America. They found it in rainforests, and they couldn't stop looking at it because it's so beautiful. Um, it's very, very cool. And um, there's there are a lot of different ways to consider it. You you think about color and you wonder, well, does that make it more attractive? Does that make it easier to spot? No, it turns out it doesn't. Um, these these particular wasps work on trees and they take host larvae out. And at the same time, their bright colors are almost invisible to the things that would want to eat them. So they just do their work and continue on and stay busy, just like us, like gardeners everywhere. Hey, now, come back again next week for more Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you, but not today. Litter is on the rise in our state, and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it costs to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. As an organ donor... Your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of the Walk. Voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw, and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the Reservoir, Pocahontas, and one mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies, and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I like chicken. I like fish. I love it. Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.